0: This morning, I want to thank um, all those who are uh, nurses, cooks, chauffeurs, teachers, housekeepers. um, Well, I'll just use their generic name. Thank you, mothers. Uh, Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for all that you do for your children. Thank you for all that you do for this congregation here. Uh, We want to wish each and every one of you a very happy Mother's Day. And hope that it's a day that will be uh, very, very special to you because we do indeed uh, love our our mothers. And um, we know that this particular day, this particular Sunday that's been set aside is strictly a human tradition. Uh, Nowhere in the Bible do we find a command to set aside a special day. But yet at the same time, I think it's very good and very fitting uh, that we not only honor our mother's Uh, one of the Sundays out of the year, but also we need to honor them uh, every day of the year because they are uh, very, very special people. When you think about it, first of all, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here this morning. And so we're thankful for our mothers and very thankful for all that they do for us. Uh, As you read the Bible, you discover that there are a lot of famous mothers in the Bible. Uh, Just off the top of my head, I can think about Jochebed. Jochebed, who was the mother of Moses, she was so uh, intent in trying to preserve uh, his life and make sure that he was not killed when the other Israelite babies were being killed by the Egyptian Pharaoh that she took the time to place him in a uh, little bitty ark and put him in the Nile River. And of course, uh, we know the rest of the story, how that he became a son of Pharaoh and eventually became the greatest lawgiver that the people of Israel ever saw, and one of the greatest spokesperson for, for God that the world has ever known. When you think about another famous mother, such as Hannah, who made the decision before her child was even born that Samuel was going to be someone who was dedicated to the Lord. And as we think about that, that's some a purpose that every mother should have, that their children should be dedicated to the Lord. And then you move into the New Testament, and you think about a mother and grandmother team by the name of Lois and Eunices, or Eunice, and how they were so intent in making sure that young Timothy knew the Scriptures that they began to teach him at a very young age, that he would understand and appreciate the fact, as Paul told him, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is prompt for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished perfect unto everything that he needs. But perhaps the most famous mother of all that we read about in the Bible, we find in the passage that was read for us a few moments ago, and that is the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, mother that is known as Mary. Now Mary is, of course, the most famous mother of all because she is the mother of Jesus Christ, but there is a lot of false things that are taught about Mary. Uh, even though there are some religious groups who teach that she is a perpetual virgin. Uh, the Bible is very clear that Jesus had other brothers and had other sisters, and therefore she is not a perpetual virgin. Uh, she is also not a universal mother. Uh, we have a Father in heaven. He is the one that we, we answer to. He is the one that, is, that takes care of us and blesses us and provides the things that we need. Uh, We do not need a universal mother, and certainly uh, Mary is not deity. She has not been made into deity in order to be a universal mother. And therefore, there's no reason for us to, as some people might say, that we need to pray through Mary to get to Jesus, to get to God. The Bible's very clear that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is God's Son, Jesus Christ. But yet when we look at Mary, we discover that she was just a simple, God-fearing woman who ended up being the mother of our Lord. I hope that you have your Bibles with you today because we're going to be looking at this passage that we find in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. I know that you have activities planned for this afternoon, and I know some of you may have to wait long lines at the restaurant. So I'm going to try to do my best today to be brief, I do want to look at this text and I want to bring out uh, some things that I think are some good observations about Mary and hopefully at the same time make some application for our mothers today because we do appreciate our mothers very much and we want to honor them on this particular occasion. But I want us to begin this morning. I hope, like I said, you have your Bibles open and I hope you have your uh, place marked there because... Uh, We'll reference some other passages, but uh, we're basically going to stick with the text today, and as I said, make some observations and some application. But let's begin by looking at verses 26 and 27. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, the very first thing that sticks out in my mind as I look at this particular passage is verse 27, where it says that there was a woman that was a virgin. Here is going to be one of the most unique miracles that the Bible has ever given to us. We find many instances of people being fed miraculously, of people being healed. But here is a very unique miracle because a child was going to be born to a woman who never had sexual relationships with a man. It's beyond biology. It's beyond the natural world. It's beyond how things are created and procreated. Here was going to be a woman who was going to have a baby. And it was by, all by the power of God. It's interesting as you open your Bibles and you start reading about the prophecies concerning this. Perhaps the most famous one is Isaiah chapter seven and verse fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself would give you a son. The virgin will be with child and and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ was born that he would be born. That Christ shall be born of a virgin. But also I think it's interesting we can add Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient time. So we see that this person who was going to um, have the Christ child would be a virgin and that this Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. And so when you move into the New Testament, it says, and this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, meaning before they had sexual relations, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And of course, the angel told Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And here in Matthew, we have Matthew quoting Isaiah seven fourteen. If we ever want to know how to translate it properly, Matthew does it for us when he says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But notice once again, verse 25 says, But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus As I said, this is a very, very unique miracle. And there are those who try to discount it. They try to say it's a fable. They try to say that this really didn't happen. But folks, if the Bible is wrong here, then the Bible is wrong everywhere else. Mary was a virgin when she married Joseph. And Jesus Christ came forth into this world as both God and man in a miraculous way. I want to make sure we understood that and make sure we understood what the Bible says about that. But also looking at the verse, I want you to notice that this virgin was named Mary. Now you might not know this, but Mary is the most popular name that you'll find in the Bible. But here's something else you may not know. That even today... In the world today, the number one most popular name that is given to girls is Mary. But to add a third thing you may not know, where does the word Mary come from? The word Mary comes from the word Mara. And if you know what that word Mara means, you will remember if you go back to Old Testament history, to the book of Ruth, you remember how that Ruth had a mother-in-law by the name of Naomi. And Naomi, who had lost her husband, who had lost her sons, was living in a foreign land, and she was dealing with all the different things that she was dealing with. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 20 says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. The word Mary is a form of that particular word, but the word itself means bitter. And of course, the reason why she wanted to call herself was because of all the discouragement and all the suffering and all the loss she was experiencing in her life. And I don't know if it's by providence or I don't know if it's by coincidence, but it's interesting that the mother of our Lord was named Mary or a form of the word Mara. When you think about the fact that Jesus Christ was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And we think about the manger and we beautify it and we make it into something that's beautiful and spectacular but we need to understand that this was a stable with animals and all the smells and everything else and the dirtiness of it all. But yet that's where Mary had her baby. When you think about how that when Jesus was around two years of age, that they had to flee to Egypt because there was a king who wanted to kill their child. But when you think about how that he was growing up and eventually became a man, he was rejected from his hometown, how his nation also rejected him, and how that Mary stood at the foot of the cross and watched someone put nails into his hands and feet put a crown upon his head, and watch him die the horrible death of crucifixion. And how appropriate then is that she should be called Mary or bitter. In fact, when Jesus was a little child and they took him to the temple for the first time, uh, there was a man there named Simeon. And it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that there will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. But then he tells Mary, A sword will pierce your own soul too. And I know as I read this particular text and I think about the child Jesus, and I think about his mother Mary, I think we can make application to the fact that being a mother oftentimes is not an easy thing. I know as a son to my mother, there were times when she found great joy in her heart because of who I was and what I've done. But there's other times there it caused great sadness to her because of who I am and what I've done. And I think about the how that there are oftentimes sufferings that a mother must go through all the time and the work and the sacrifices that they must make. Mothers work harder than any other person in the world oftentimes, and they don't get the credit. Mothers in our congregation would never refer to themselves as being bitter because of that. But I know mothers, if they're the kind of mothers that they need to be, they'll think about the fact that This is one of the greatest blessings they've ever had bestow upon them. And certainly this is the case with Mary. Even though a sword would pierce her own soul, we know that she still felt very blessed because of what she says later on. Someone wrote many years ago these particular words, The bravest battle ever fought, shall I tell you where and when. On the maps of the world you'll find them not. They were fought by the mother's of men. We're so very thankful for our mothers and the sacrifices and the time and the work that they do for all their children. But now let's look at verses 28 through 33. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind, what matter of salutation should this be? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I know we've read this passage many times and thought about it perhaps in many ways. But on this occasion, I want you to think about how Mary felt when this announcement was made to her. I want you to think about who she was and how out of the blue this angel appears to her. Uh, This has never happened to her before. And this angel begins to reveal to her that of all the women in the world, she has now been picked to do something that has been talked about for thousands and thousands of years. Think about the fact that she was told that she was the woman that was spoken of by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. She's read that passage before. She knew that this was the promise of the Messiah. And now she realizes for the first time in her life that she is now the fulfillment of that prophecy. Can you imagine how that must have struck her? Also, you think about the fact now she knows that she is the woman that will serve in the plan of God. But when the time was fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. She is that woman. But also, she is the woman chosen to be the mother of our Lord. To paraphrase verse 43. Mary can't get over it. She says, why am I so favored to be picked to be the mother of our Lord? We can also drop down to verse 48. Notice what she says about herself. She says, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Can you imagine the magnitude of when this hit her about what was being bestowed upon her with the challenges and with the honor and everything that was going to be? She understood, I think, by what we read in verse 48. She knew now that she was going to be the most famous mother in history. But as I think about that, I think about the fact that God didn't choose some movie star. He didn't choose a beauty queen. He didn't even choose a princess, but he chose a young woman of low estate, poor, no notoriety whatsoever, and made her the mother of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I think an application we can make this morning is the fact that women choose a lot of different roles in life and choose some different professions and whatnot. And all those things are good and honorable and, and, and things that need to be done. But I want our mothers to realize that because they have been given the job of being a mother, God has bestowed upon them one of the greatest blessings that the world has ever seen. Uh, there are those who sometimes shirk their responsibilities in this. But Here we have the story of, of, Mar- of Mary who was willing to do what she needed to do because she was a part of God's plan. Which brings us to verse 34. Obviously after hearing this news Mary said unto the angel. How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. In other words I've never had sexual relations. And this is a natural response. But look at the, the, what, what the angel said, answered. He said the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. In other words... The angel says, what's going to happen to you is going to be supernatural. It's going to be miraculous. And then he points out the fact that Elizabeth, her cousin, is already conceived in her old age a child, which will become John the Baptist also. And this was to be a sign to Mary. That's why this is brought up. But look at verse 37. And here's the point we want to think about this morning. A principle that should never, ever be doubted. Verse 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. For with God nothing shall be impossible. I want our mothers to make sure we appreciate that and realize that this is a principle that should never ever be doubted. Oftentimes as a mother we have to deal with the obstacles that seem to be overwhelming. We deal with heartache sometimes that seems to be crushing. Sometimes we don't know how things are going to work out. We, we worry and fret about our children. We pray for our children. Children don't always do the things we want them to do. The things that we want to happen for our children don't always happen. And sometimes we get frustrated as a mother. But we need to rem- be reminded that we always, constantly, need to put our faith and trust in God Almighty. Because as the angel told Mary... For with God nothing shall be impossible. But look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. This big news came to her. It had to be shocking, it had to be overwhelming. But here was someone that was willing to be used in the plan of God. In fact, she refers to herself as being a handmaid. In other words, a servant to God. In other words, God, however you want to use me, I'm going to let you use me. I want to be a part of your plans. We're living in a day and age where there are many who shirk their responsibility, who try to pass it on to somebody else. There are even women who, because they are impregnated, they think it's an inconvenience and they do something to to remove that child because they don't want to be inconvenienced. But blessed are those women who realize that when they have a child, they're part of a plan of God. That that mother should have a baby and that baby become a part of this world and be a part of God's plan to raise that child up. So that child can one day go to heaven how that oftentimes we don't always think about this, but how that mothers are servants of God because they serve in such a great purpose of God. And I want our mothers to understand and realize uh, that you are a blessing and you should never forget about that fact. As we close today, I want us to think about the fact that Mary should not be someone that we worship Mary should not be someone that uh, we give greater emphasis to than other mothers in the Bible as far as how we think about them. But yet at the same time, Mary has some traits that need to be emulated, not only by mothers today, but also by each and every one of us. But yet, and I'm sure somebody maybe sitting today will be thinking in their minds, Well, Jim, the only reason why Mary is so famous is because of who her son was. Amen. But folks, the only reason why any mother is famous, regardless of what that notoriety may be, is because of who her son or who her daughter is. I hope this morning, as we honor our mothers, that we'll think about the kind of son we are, that we'll think about the kind of daughter we are. Because what gives our mother the notoriety, whether it be good or whether it be bad, is who we are because we are always a direct reflection upon our mothers. Mary gave us the most wonderful blessing. She gave us Jesus Christ. Because of the birth of Jesus Christ, we have a fleshly tie to Mary and to her son Jesus Christ. That is the connection we now have on Jesus' side of his Uh, total being of being both God and man. Uh, We have God the Father on the spiritual side and Mary on the fleshly side. But because that particular connection has been made, we now have a high priest, a mediator who is holy, harmless, and undefiled and stands ready always to be our mediator between us and our Father in heaven. This morning God loved us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we leave here today and be involved in our different activities, uh, first of all, I want to make sure that you try to show your mother love and appreciation today because of all that she has done for you down through the years, whether you be young or old. But secondly, as we think about mothers, we think about Mary, and we think about that through Mary, we've been given the greatest gift of all, And that is Jesus Christ who came into this world, lived as a man, and died on the cross for each and every one of us. So one day we can stand before God Almighty and be found righteous and just because of his blood. If you have a need this morning, won't you come as together we stand and sing.